0: You and David were always teasing me. You were really mean to me, then. But I forgive you. How is David? Haven't seen him for ages. Well, I think. He's not the best correspondent in the world. But I'm on my way to see him now. Remember me to him. We had some great times when we were younger. You were both mean to me, Meg said, smiling. You wouldn't let me join in your games. You said I was a little pest. He grinned. I wouldn't say that now. You're a very attractive young lady, but one with suicidal tendencies, I suspect. Coming out on deck in this weather wasn't perhaps the most sensible thing to do. Another large wave combined with a cross current made the ship yaw, and Meg had to clutch his arm in order to save herself from falling. I needed some fresh air. She was forced to shout, in order to make herself heard above the din of the water plashing from the paddle wheel and the throbbing of the engines. But I think I've had enough of it for today. He slipped her hand through the crook of his arm. We better go below. I don't know about you, but I could do with a nice hot cup of tea. Clinging on to him, Meg nodded wordlessly, and they made their way slowly and with difficulty towards the companionway. The saloon was packed with disconsolate passengers, some of them looking decidedly green, others deep in conversation, apparently oblivious to their surroundings. Gerald found them a table, and Meg slid onto the banquette, waiting for him to return with their order of tea and cakes. She was finding it hard to equate the tall, dark-haired young man with the tousled-headed boy whose parents had worked for her family ever since she could remember. His mother Marie was the cook at Collivert Manor, and his father Eric was officially her father's chauffeur. But advocate Charles Collivert spent long hours in his office or in court, and over the years Eric had taken on more and more responsibility for running the estate and the home farm. Meg often wondered what her family would do if the Lefebvre's ever decided to leave their employ, although she would never have dared mention such a thing in front of her mother. Muriel Collibert's ideas regarding class and society were positively Victorian and set in stone. As far as Mother was concerned, everyone had their place in the social order of things, and there they must stay. Meg shifted on her seat, craning her neck to see how far Gerald had got in the queue at the food counter. He turned his head and smiled at her, as if he had sensed that she was staring at him, and she looked away, feeling the blood rush to her cheeks. He was attractive rather than classically good looking, but she liked the way his eyes crinkled at the corners when he was amused. She decided that she approved of this new and mature version of the boy who had been her brother's friend and playmate during the school holidays. His younger sister Simone had never been Meg's favourite person, but she had only occasionally accompanied her parents to work, preferring to stay in St. Peterport with an elderly aunt who undoubtedly pandered to her every whim which was why she was so demanding and spoilt. Eventually, and to everyone's surprise, Gerald had been packed off to boarding school on the mainland. David had attended a public school in England, as had most of the sons of well-to-do island families, but it was unheard of for a boy from a relatively poor background to have a private education. Where the Lefevres had obtained the money for his school fees had always been a bit of a mystery as far as the young Colliverts were concerned. David had been convinced that Eric had won the football pools, and Adele had suggested that a rich relation had stumped up the cash. Meg had been thought too young to have any opinion of her own. Being the youngest in the family was definitely a disadvantage. David was the son and heir, who was supposed to be studying law in order to qualify him to join the family firm, although Meg was convinced that he spent most of his spare time taking flying lessons. He would always fancied himself as Guernsey's answer to the Red Baron, and a career in law came a very poor second. Adele's ambition was to marry a rich man before she was twenty. She had it fixed in her pretty head that if she was not at least engaged by then, she would never live down the disgrace. Estelle Plummer, who had been head girl when Addie was in the fifth form at Whitefield's Academy, and Meg a humble second former, had enjoyed the grandest white wedding ever seen on the island when she had only just turned nineteen. Estelle now drove round in her very own sports car and lived with her husband in a French-style chateau overlooking Vazon Bay. Meg's ambitions were simpler. She wanted to leave home and earn her own